through us today. Uh, as we hear your word, may, may you just surround us with your Holy Spirit, and uh, may we just come to understand the depth of your love for us that we might share the depth of that gift uh, with those around us. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus the Christ. You know, when we're hurt by someone, our first response uh, is often, what is wrong with them? I mean, what is wrong with them? What would make them do that type of thing that would make us uh, feel that way? And perhaps there's part of us that wants to kind of lash out and return to protect ourselves, uh, I mean, or to get even. And we feel that we're kind of justified uh, in doing whatever response that we do because they're the ones who hurt us first. And that's how we're feeling. Yet the reality is when it comes to that type of mindset, we're the ones who are often wound up being impacted the most. It's not our response to them that hurts the most. It's what happens to our own hearts when we retaliate, when we lash out in anger. And it can draw us into a vicious cycle that keeps us kind of involved in, in this spiraling downward kind of thing. I mean, I mean it's, it's exactly what happens in Top Gun Maverick, right? Like when Rooster and Maverick are in that Krober move and they're spiraling down and both are too stubborn to kind of stop and, and pull out, right? They, they continue to spiral downward. Or, or much like a black hole that draws everything into itself, more and more people are drawn into that dysfunction the longer that it goes on. A dysfunction that quickly erodes our spirits and can impact our, our ability to even think rationally as it begins to consume our thoughts. And we dwell on that hurt and we dwell on that pain. We may even create scenarios in our minds thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to say next. Or, or this is what I'm going to do if I see them again. And maybe we won't even do those things. But by dwelling on them, we're the ones who stay stuck as we try to settle the score. And sadly, some of us have been living there way too long. Many of us have been living stuck lives, spiraling downward, pulling other people into the dysfunction, allowing it to consume our thoughts and allowing it to rob and to steal our joy. John 10.10, 10, Jesus shares this wonderful passage of scripture. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So let me ask you this, what is stealing your joy right now? What, what pain or hurt and the thought of which is stealing your joy? Yes, there's the offense itself. Yes, there is the pain of what was done, but the true loss comes when we don't deal with it in a healthier, constructive way. I wanna say that again. Yes, there is the offense itself. That's the first thing, but the true loss comes if we don't deal with it in a healthy way. And that's the cost that way too many of us are, are making. In fact, today we're going to be offered a healthy way to rise above the hurt and the pain of life by our actions, by our attitudes, and, and specifically our, our actions. Let, let's look again at our text for today. And notice how Jesus starts here. He says, but I say to you that listen. And this is where many of us struggle, just even this first part, because what do we do when we don't like the way something sounds or we don't quite agree with it? We close off our ears, right? My wife calls it selective hearing, okay? But we not only close off our ears, we close off our hearts, we harden our hearts, and then we close off our minds because of that place of hurt. It's a simple, similar thing that happens when the, when the pastor says anything that has to do with offering, stewardship, giving. 
See what happened? Your ears shut off. That's exactly what happens. You didn't even hear the last two things, right? But, but we don't, right? We don't close our ears and our hearts. Not this church. Can I get an amen? Glad you responded. You're back with me. So speaking to those with, with open hearts, okay? Jesus continues. He says, love your enemies. Wait, what did he say? I couldn't hear him. I, 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 my hearing went out again. Jesus says, love your enemies, and we need to stop there because in order to understand what's, what's happening here and being asked of us, not only in this first verse, but actually the, the passages uh, uh, after it, uh, we must first understand what this word love is. And I know what you're thinking, pastor, you're right. I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. Okay, it's a foreigner reference. Some of you got that right away. But, but really, that reference, right, is, is going to play more into our message for today than we may anticipate. I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. As you may recall, what what's we simply translate in the Bible as love has a variety of words, different words that are used in the Greek. And the word for love that's used here is not the love that we have for those closest to us, our families, the people near and dear to our hearts, right? The word that's used here for love describes a type of sacrificial love. It's an intentional effort that says, I love you because I choose to love you. It's an active feeling of kindness and compassion towards another person that, that's not based on what that other person does. That, that we will not allow ourselves to desire anything else but their good. And as a result, we would go out of our way intentionally and deliberately to, to be good and to be kind to them. What, what this word love is talking about is, is godly Christian love. And it's only something that we can do by the power and the grace and the strength of God and by looking to his example. So understanding the intent of this word love that's used here, let's dig back into our text. It says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. It's a love that rises way above the circumstances or the hurt and the pain that we might be experiencing. In fact, it goes deeper than that because it's not simply a matter of not doing bad things to somebody else, but actively doing good things in their lives. You see, rather than letting our enemies bring out the worst in us, what happens if we allow them to bring out the best in us? Rather than allowing our enemies to, to steal our energy, what if we poured that energy into the power of prayer, that prayer that has the power to transform hearts and lives? Rather than allowing our words to be filled with anger, animosity, and hate, what if we extended instead a word of blessing and renewal and spoke that into their lives? How would that not only change them and impact them, but how would that change our perspective? You see, Jesus is not only inviting us to adjust our attitudes, he's challenging us to take it one step further to follow through with our actions. He's asking us to follow through with our actions as well. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in verse 31, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And we've heard that before, right? It's the golden rule. That's what we heard it referenced about. It's not this hands-off approach, but, but how are we called to speak into and to seek healing and renewal into somebody else's life? Romans chapter 12, verse 21 puts it this way. It says, do not be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
You see, it's easy to love those who loves us. Jesus says even sinners do the same. Verse 32 and 33 of our text for today. But we are called to be an example to the world. We are called to, to rise above the bare bones stuff that, that makes it socially acceptable to, to not engage, to not do or, or be in those things. But, but we're called to rise above, to extend a word of blessing, to be an image of Christ in the world. You see, church, we should never allow the pain of life, especially the pain that others have caused us, to deter us from seeking to be a reflection of Christ. And I want to say that again. We should never allow the pain of life, especially the pain caused by others, to deter us from seeking to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And while our tendency may be to respond in anger to pain and say, what's wrong with you? Why, why would you do that? What if we spoke to it with a heart of love that truly seeks healing for, for hurting hearts? To ask that same question, but, but perhaps in a different tone, rooted in goodness and compassion, seeking their highest good. Well, what's wrong with you? What is wrong that's going on in your heart? What are you wrestling with? What, what's weighing on your spirit? What's on your mind? What, why would you respond and react this way? I want to know. You see, I truly believe there's always something deeper at work in someone's life that causes them to lash out, that causes them to, to speak words of hurt and to cause other people pain. What's that saying? Hurt people hurt people. Why? Because they're carrying something. They're carrying an unresolved issue. They're carrying something that is weighing on their spirits that, that's eroding them from the inside out. And, and, and it just keeps getting worse because they don't know what to do with it. And this slight change in our way of thinking and responding to those who hurt us can not only protect our hearts and give us a change of perspective, but the way we respond has the potential to transform somebody else's life. You know, so this, this is a non-Newtonian fluid, okay? And, uh, and you can see it's kind of kind of got this watery uh, consistency. And a non-Newtonian fluid, um, it, it just it doesn't follow the laws of, of viscosity. I don't know what that means. I Googled it, okay? So it sounds impressive, no idea what it, what it means. But, but basically what it says is that, that it has the, 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 the attributes of both a liquid and a solid, depending on how much force uh, is actually exerted upon it. So, so let's, let's do it this way. Let's, uh, if I, if I uh, put my hand in softly, right, what does it do? Right, kind of goes down, right? You can see that a little bit. But if I hit it hard, right? Doesn't, doesn't move. It's causing a mess on my pants. I will send the church a dry cleaning bill. Uh, but but it's, uh, it, it kind of, it allows your hand to sink in when, when it goes softly, but, but it resists when, when it feels some, some force. And isn't that a lot like what happens when we approach somebody or respond to somebody that's hurt us? We might come back, we might be harsh with our words, right? And, and how does that go over? Not very well. But then when our words are a little bit more soft, what happens? They're easily, more easily received. They're, they're, they're accepted, more easily accepted. And, and I encourage you families to do this project at home. This is a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's uh, I, I forget what it is, so you figure it out. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, but when we take the more gentle approach, hearts are open. 
Hearts are a little bit more soft to receive what's, what's being said, and we've all experienced it. In fact, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, simply shares this, says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Who's dealing with a hard heart right now? Maybe, maybe a little bit more softer approach might be exactly what is needed. So think about that. Take that with you this morning and ask yourself, how am I approaching this, this person that I'm having tension with or, or where they're struggling to see eye to eye? You see, Jesus calls us to see something. Jesus calls us to something different. And I realize that some of you are wrestling with this concept this morning because of a pain that you're carrying. There's those of you out there that have wrestled with it in the past, and there are those of us who will wrestle with it in the future as well, because it's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. There needs to be an intentional effort. There needs to be a constant refocusing of our own hearts on how we address pain and hurt in our own lives. But it's here that Jesus does two things. First, he gives us a word of encouragement. Second part of verse 35, he says, your reward will be great in heaven and you will be children of the most high. In other words, if you do these things, you're gonna be blessed. And, and you're not only gonna be blessed, but people are gonna notice that you belong to me. They're going to notice that there's something different about you in the way that you respond to the pain and the hurt in your lives and the people who do that to you. As Jesus showed us, there is strength in grace and humility. And we're like still like, yeah, yeah, but, but. But Jesus, watch what he does next. For he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. See, what Jesus does in this moment is he says, brings it back to us. And he says, and what he's done for us. He says, I, I love you even when you've been disobedient. I, I love you even when you turn your back on me and, and, and it's as if you barely know me. Jesus says, I, I love you unconditionally, not based on what you do. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, we, we read this exactly. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone actually dared to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the word there for love is a sacrificial love. A type of love that says, I love you because I choose to love you. It's a love of kindness and compassion toward the other person, not based on what the other person does, but a love that seeks the highest good. And that is what Jesus has done for us. He seeks our highest good by taking our sin and nailing it to the cross. He says, I love you deliberately and intentionally, and I seek to restore you. In fact, a mirror to our reading for today comes from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. And it says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. Now watch this. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous both the deserving and the undeserving. Jesus gives us the example. Jesus gives the example of the depth of his love for us that teaches us how to respond. 
It's a love that allows us to love our enemies, to do good, to bless, to pray, even when we're hurting. Even when we're hurting. What, what was that foreigner song again? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Right? Uh, okay. American Idol worthy? Not really? Okay, great. Church, show the world what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. To be a reflection of his grace, his mercy, and his love. Show the world what it means to be a follower of Christ and what he has done, the example he has given on the cross. Your homework this week, what I want you to do, I want you to read uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Um, this is a letter. This is not the gospel of John. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The gospel is the good news, right? This is the letter. So you see 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And then take a moment to reflect. How does this challenge me to respond to a current hurt I'm experiencing? Some of you brought something into worship with you today. Some of you, right on your mind, when you said love your enemies, you, you had somebody on your heart right? That, that was just stuck there. So how does that speak in what I'm currently experiencing? Next is how can I make a conscious effort to love my enemies, to do good to those who hate me, bless those who curse me, and to pray for those who, who abuse me? How do we live out that text that is before us today? And the last part of that homework is that we would love to pray with you. We want you to know that you are not alone. And some of these are hard situations. Some of these are hard experiences. And we want to pray for you. So, so I invite you, um, fill out one of those prayer requests in, in, in your seat pocket in front of you. Place it in the offering basket. If you don't have time to do that, uh, check in with Susan at the prayer nook that's outside in the gathering space. She would love to pray with you and pray over you, whatever situation that you might be facing. So once again, the question, how are we going to approach a hurting heart? Gently? or with a little bit more oomph, which one's going to be received. These things we pray in his name. Amen. Ushers.